this is it, right? Like this, is a, this will tilt the scales one direction the or the other. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I make Four. it or break it here. This is it, Rachel. Here we go. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I am Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and we finally have wrapped up all nine types. Woohoo! So up until now, we've been doing like Enneagram 101, and this episode, we're going to kind of move on to Enneagram 102, which I mean, if you have not listened to the previous episodes, this is not the episode to dive into first, because everything is built on the episodes that came before it. So you want to go back and get caught up. But if you've done all the listening, congratulations, because we're about to go a little bit deeper you graduated. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, you haven't grad. You moved on to the next grade. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we want to talk in today's episode about two different things. We're going to talk about arrows, and we're going to talk about wings. Sam, let's kick off with arrows. So first, like, what are your thoughts about arrows? Like, what are they? Yeah, so in an Enneagram theory, there's this idea of nine different numbers, and each number comes with two arrows that um, they receive energy from. And so there's some debate on whether or not you receive the positive attributes of that other style or just the negative. And for our purposes, we just want to give you just a broad strokes example overview of the different types. We're going to go through all of the numbers and say like, hey, if you're this number, these are your possible arrows, and just hold those both with open hands. Um, we don't necessarily know under stress, I'm always going to go to this number or under security, you'll always go to that. I think that it, I think we're complicated and there's some gray area and some nuance with the wings and arrows and we just want to be mindful of that. And so, but yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at with the arrows. Okay. So yeah. So I'm in a similar space. Like, I, so the basic idea is this, is that when each of us as a person, when we are uh, feeling secure, that we take on certain attributes of a different number than our core type. Mm -hmm. And then when we're stressed out, we take on attributes of yet a different number than our core type. And Sam and I have gone back and forth on this. And basically, we think that there's enough truth and relevancy in this content that we want to go ahead and share it with you guys. But we also recognize sometimes some of the stuff we we don't see evidence for. Uh, So we just want to start right out of the gate and say, we're going to give it to you because we think it's important enough. But if you go, that does not sound true to me, that is totally fine. But we're going to go ahead and dig into the arrows theory. All right. You ready, Sam? I'm ready. Okay. So we're going to kick things off with the heart triad, heart triad type twos. Of course, you guys are known as the helper. And the helpers, these folks are generous and they're giving. But... When these folks are feeling secure, in other words, when they're healthy, they take on uh, they take on the traits of the four. Remember, they're the helper. They're very selfless. They're kind of externally defined. And so under times of security, that four energy will allow them to live with a sense of self, to have individual needs and individual wants and desires and preferences. And um, it will help that 
to space to become more creative and honest and um, to express their full range of emotions. Because remember, twos kind of repress their own needs and repress their emotions, but that four energy will help them live out of that space. Yeah, because fours, uh, we tend to have the gift of being emotionally aware. What mm-hmm. is it that we need or want or what are we feeling in this moment? And so when a two's healthy, when they feel secure, they're going to go to that four space. But... You know, the twos do need to be be aware that, you know, us fours, like we struggle with envy and mm-hmm. we struggle with becoming self-absorbed. And right. so uh, so just beware that you can begin to pull from some of that energy. So that's when a two feels secure. OK, so when a two gets stressed out, when they're freaking out, freaking out, uh, what happens? Yeah. So they take on that energy of the eight. And so that impacts the twos because they become aggressive. They, you know, they. Because twos are so servant-hearted, and so if they see that people that they're taking care of, if something goes wrong, they're going to be quick to jump on that. And, well, not just that, especially if they, needs. especially if they feel underappreciated. Right. That is when you see a two go from being like, "Let me care for you," to like, "Let me destroy you." Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. take on, you know, typically like the aggressive sides of the eight. However. Here's what's positive, though. Sometimes under certain stressful situations, the two can go to that eight and they can actually pull from the positive side of the eight, which is being more assertive, mm-hmm. being more assertive with their needs, telling other people, listen, I'm angry about this and I'm frustrated about this and I'm mad yeah. and I need these things. And sometimes that, that can be very, very healthy. Yeah, that so. eight energy helps them kind of relinquish that tendency to be people pleasing and really make sure that everybody else is OK and on good terms. That eight energy allows them to step in with more confidence. Okay, so let's talk about the three. So the three, these are our our achievers, our efficient people, um, and they like to get things done. So let's talk about what happens. When these folks are feeling secure, uh, they go to what? The six. And so that helps them become more committed and loyal about their uh, accomplishments and their um, also helps them live into that honesty. And so the threes, remember, they struggle with deception and do things by any means necessary. But that six energy will allow them to have more level headedness and say, OK, um, actually, like, here's here's what I'm thinking here. In my plans. Yeah, because sixes don't tend to be very dishonest people mm-hmm. and they tend to be pretty straightforward. Very, yeah. very what you uh, see is what you get. Yeah, they're emotionally, uh, you know, they, they prefer like emotional realness, mm-hmm. you know, and so the three is able to kind of pull from that. And, you know, sixes aren't really concerned with what other people think about them all the time as much as uh, they want to, you know, healthy six wants to stay committed to something because they believe in it by their own conviction. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is that uh, the threes, they they need to be aware of that six indecisiveness, you know, Ooh, that second yeah. guessing, that skepticism mm-hmm. that can seep in. Yeah. OK, so that's the three uh, under the secure arrow. What happens under the stress arrow? Yeah, they move toward the nine space. And so they become kind of passive aggressive. They'll check out. They'll kind of move on. They won't really commit to anything. And so they need to uh, be aware of that because they will load their responsibilities onto other people. But there's some positive things that they can gain from the nines, and that is to benefit from their calmness and the ability to to slow down. I think threes have a lot of energy, and so they can kind of tap into the nine tranquility and serenity and contentment a lot better with that with that healthy space of the nine. Okay, so now let's talk about the last person in the hard triad. Let's talk about the fours, the my, best my, my people. <laughs> yeah, you're... Uh, you know, fours were originalists. We are creative types. Uh, we like things off the beaten path. When we are feeling secure, we move to we move to the one space. Mm. And uh, of course, you know, ones are about fairness. They're about objectivity. They're about uh, not just letting sort of our emotional whimsies, you know, dictate how we react to things, but trying to look things at things objectively mm-hmm. and then take 
real concrete action towards good and true change. However, the negative side of the one is that we can also become very self-criticizing and really begin to place a lot of high demands on other people. Okay, so that is the four when we're feeling secure. What happens when we're stressed out? Right, so because fours are in the relational triad, they can take on the unhealthy characteristics of type two. And so that impacts the fours by just becoming more codependent or emotionally manipulative. Yeah, people pleasers. People pleasing and what do you think of me? You know, just kind of uh, that push-pull thing that fours can kind of do in their relationships. They can take on um, that attention-seeking aspect of the two if they're in that super unhealthy space. But twos are super great and they can really teach fours a lot about um, accommodating other people and not just thinking about the self all the time. Fours can kind of uh, live in a space of what is it? What about me? It's all about me. And so twos will help uh, the four open up and, and recognize the others around them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. So let's talk now about the head triad. So the head triad. So our fives, these are our investigators, our wise people, our thinkers. Um, and fives, when they are feeling secure, they actually move to the eight space. And the eight space is all about energy. It's all about action. You know, eights are our powerful people. They mm-hmm. like to get out there and get things done. And so when a five feels secure, they get out of their head and they really begin taking the thoughts that they're having. They begin sharing them with other people. They begin moving towards action. And they actually also begin to pay more attention to what they're feeling and and even what's going on in their body. They just begin to become more aware. But Uh, The five has to become careful because they can also begin to go to that eight space that becomes all about trying to control and Mm. dominate other people. Okay, so that's uh, so the under security, the five goes to the eight. What happens when they are when they're stressed out? When they're stressed, they go to seven. And so that energy from the seven, they take on the stress, the negative aspects of the seven. So they become easily distracted and kind of lost. Remember, the sevens can uh, be kind of dangerous in relationships just with their lack of ability to to be sober-minded and committed. And so the five can take on some of that as well. And, and the five loses the ability to even learn how to prioritize. They get mm-hmm. lost yeah, in so their they priorities. they spend too much of their time and their money on extraneous activities and tasks. Um, but remember, the five can kind of be checked out. And so that seven space can also help them uh, become more whimsical and more lighthearted. Fives can be a little pensive sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that seven energy can, you know, help them. Help them loosen up and yeah, have fun. And, laugh and enjoy. And the generosity. Remember, the five struggle with greed and uh, but sevens are usually pretty generous and spontaneous, and so fives can really benefit from from that seven space. Okay, sixes. Sixes, uh, the loyalist. Uh, so these folks are very faithful. They're very diligent. They are well-prepared. And when these folks are feeling secure, they go to the nine space. You know, the six often struggles with issues of anxiety, issues mm-hmm, of fear. Mm-hmm. And when they feel secure, they move to that nine space, which is about feeling calm. They become more uh, able to kind of go along along with whatever's yeah, going on go in the, the moment. Flow. Yeah, more go with the flow. They uh, trust other people more. Uh, they trust themselves more. They become far less suspicious of other people's motives. But the six has to become mindful of the fact that if they become overly secure, they can actually move to the apathetic side of the nine. You know, t- typically sixes are really diligent about getting things done. A non-resourceful nine, not not so much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the six has to beware of taking on those numbing and apathetic qualities of the nine. 
So, okay, so Sam, what happens when they become stressed? Yeah, so they start to move to that unhealthy three space. And remember, threes are all about their network and their relationships and trying to leverage their their personal uh, networks for the benefit of themselves. And so sixes can become susceptible to that as well. And they'll start to try to impress other people, that overly accommodating, people-pleasing thing that the three can have. Well, and also this is that uh, that sixes especially, they'll move to that mantra that some of the non-resourceful threes can have, which is the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter matter what it takes to get there, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And especially, you know, sixes get oriented around safety. Uh, and so they'll really bulldoze the people around them so long as they can arrive at the station that they feel has the most amount of safety. Yeah, usually they're all about, you know, making sure we do things the right way and being really thorough. But under stress, they can start to cut corners and to try to get stuff done. However, the three space does offer a lot to the six because that helps them have a place of security, that place of contentment and optimism. And threes are really decisive. And sixes, can kind of struggle with that nine energy of being indecisive and not really knowing what to trust. But that three energy, um, that will help them become more decisive and more uh, to finish their list without a lot of wearying and second guessing. Okay, the sevens, the sevens, these folks are our enthusiasts. These are the party planning committee. These are the optimists. Uh, And these folks, when they feel secure, they actually move to the five space. And the five space allows sevens, you know, sevens sometimes can really struggle to make definitive decisions on what is ethically and more morally good and bad, what is right and wrong. And the five space allows them to come to terms with those things. Uh, you know, matters of what are the what are my theological convictions? What are my true beliefs about God? What are my actual morals that I believe in? And it allows the seven to develop self-discipline. Yeah. Um, Sevens are the most reactive. And I think the fives are the, one of the most reflective types. And yeah, so the pull from that yes. energy allows them to kind of sit with themselves and to think, how am I doing? Am I okay? Am, what am I afraid of right now? The fives spend all their energy thinking. And so for the seven, they'll benefit with some of that slowness that the five offers. Yes. But they need to be aware of the five's ability to detach. So the seven doesn't want to move to that space uh, and become so sort of inner reflective that they begin to detach from other people. That's not the goal. Okay. So what happens when they're stressed? Yeah. So they actually move to that one space. And so they can become critical of themselves. They'll start finding faults in themselves and other people. They they take on that inner critic of the one, that blaming, that guiltiness. The seven will go from this really optimistic person to a really critical person. And that can be an unhealthy thing if they're stressed out. But there is a beautiful gift that the ones can offer the seven, and that's um, to be more grounded. I think that when we talk about ones, we talk about how they're able to hold all truth and hold uh, just a center of, you know, understanding of the world around them. And I think sevens can really benefit from that wholehearted, sober-minded groundedness that the one offers. Yeah, it takes them from a place of just sort of endless, whimsical thinking into a place of, I want to leverage my gifts for the good of the people around me. And that means that I need to have an understanding of what is what mm-hmm. is reality. Okay, let's move into the gut triad, the gut triad. So uh, these are our eights, nines, and our ones. So eights, so these are our powerful people. You know, these are our strong, challenging challenging contenders. And uh, these folks, when they're feeling secure, they actually move to the two space. And this uh, this really helps eights relate to people in a very warm and compassionate and servant-hearted way. It allows the eight to move to a place where they're very much in tune with the needs of other people um, and that they want to direct their energy towards the needs of other people. But the eight does need to be aware of the two's tendency 
to begin to put unrealistic demands on the relationships around them and to, you know, twos can even struggle sometimes even with sort of a possessiveness. And so eights, eights just need, really need to be aware of that as well. Okay, so let's talk about the stress. Yeah, so whenever eights are stressed, they can actually move to the five space and that impacts eights negatively because they become withdrawn from their peers and they can start to become paranoid and skeptical. Um, eights, remember, they really struggle with the idea of being betrayed or abandoned. And so that five, if they start to check out, they can kind of move backward and detach from their world. However, the five does offer a gift to the eight, which is to become more objective and actually to be able to help moderate um, their energy a little better because eights have that boundless energy and the five can help them pull back and to rein it in a little bit. Great. Okay. So now we come to the nines. So nines, these are our peaceful people. These are our Samantha Stevensons of the world. (laughs) The best number on the internet. That's right. Okay. So nines uh, under security, you guys actually move to the three space. Yeah, we do. And this actually helps. uh, It helps our nines to become productive, to become practical, Mm -hmm. uh, to be more confident, to take their energy and move externally towards connecting with others. Yeah, we have the ability to prioritize better. It's from this idea of everything feels of equal importance because that three energy really helps saying, okay, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three. So it's really helpful for the nines to be able to receive some of that from the three space. Yeah. It turns their life into like, oh, I need to make to-do lists. Right. Yeah. Uh, But the the nine also needs to be aware of the tendency, the three tendency to to want to impress other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes with that tendency comes the issue of deception mm-hmm. uh, and that deception you know for a nine will show up in the, in the form of appeasement you know I'm going to appease you in the moment when in reality I probably actually have no likelihood that I'm actually going to do that thing at all right so that's that's when they're, they're feeling secure okay so what about when they're stressed under stress yeah so they take on the negative traits of the six remember the sixes are those loyalists but they also are really uh, they can have a lot of anxiety and so for the nine and they're, if they're already stressed and overwhelmed they can start to take on some of the fearful uh, components of the six by, um, you know, really activating their indecisiveness and their anxiety. But the six really does have something to offer nines, which is their ability to um, be more outspoken and be more honest and to stick up for their beliefs. Remember, sixes are loyal. They're tried and true. They're going to get things done. They're going to be there for you. And that, that energy really does help the nine. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, and then finally, we come to the ones. So the ones, these are our reformers. These are our folks that are oriented around justice and fairness. And when they are feeling secure, they actually go to the seven space, which is great for them because ones sometimes, uh, you know, they struggle with being kind of overly serious. They feel mm-hmm. an, an overabundance of weight yeah. on their shoulders. You know, so the seven space helps that one just to kind of lighten up, enjoy life, to be more spontaneous, to be more flexible flexible, to roll with the punches. To recognize that fun is an important component of life. It's not a punishment. It's not wrong, but it's actually like a gift to be lived in and to experience fully. Yeah. uh, But beware of the seven's tendency that enough is never enough Mm. and that tendency to want to become uh, overindulgent, which I know that some ones are listening and going, I will never become overindulgent. Well, I'm just warning you. Just saying maybe. maybe. Just saying maybe. Uh, Okay, so what happens when they're stressed out? Yeah, so they go to that uh, negative traits of the four. And so um, ones, if they become overwhelmed with all that's going on, they can take on the melancholic hopelessness that the four can carry or the idea that um, nothing is never enough, the unmet expectations. the Yeah, which feeds their anger. You right. Know, it, feeds, it makes them very, very angry well, and it gives frustrated. Them, yeah, it gives them reason to be mad at the people that they care about because you guys will never understand. You don't get it. There's all these things that are contingent you know, upon 
on what I believe in. And so they really kind of uh, adopt a posture of no one loves me, no one gets me. But the four energy, the healthy four energy can really help the one to live into their creativity, to live into kind of the nuance that the four brings to the world. Ones can become very black and white, but the four energy really does help them to embrace the mess, embrace the pain, the, the brokenness. And so, yeah, ones really do need a lot to learn from fours as well. Okay, so that is all about the arrows. And if you just endured all of that, we did you, it. you get a gold star yeah. because that is just a lot of content to take in. So when we come back, we actually have somebody here in the studio and she has a lot of questions for us. We'll be right back. Hey, Sam, do you remember how we first met? Uh, Yeah, you came to my college campus on Halloween night. That was the weirdest experience. I remember watching a bunch of people like arms raised in worship, but they were like dressed as like Batman. Yeah, yeah, Superman. I was dressed as Lois Lane, so I had a Superman with me. Unto the Lord. Well, okay, so I came to the school because I was recruiting people for Love Thy Neighborhood, and you showed up. Yeah, and it worked. So I came the summer after I graduated, served for that summer, loved it so much, decided to stay on for the year. And that year completely changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're between the ages of 18 and 30 and you're just trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to do with the next summer or the next year of my life? Come, be a part of Love Thy Neighborhood. We have 18 different internship tracks that you can choose from. Yeah, this is a great opportunity to grow in your relational skills, your professional skills, but also just an opportunity for you to grow deeper in your relationship with the Lord and His people. So if you want to apply to be a part of this program, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org. While you're there, you can check out all of the different causes that we offer. Choose the ones that you are most passionate about, and then we will pair you up with an organization where you can make a real difference in real people's lives. You can serve with us for either a summer or a year. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Actually, right now in the recording studio, we have Love Thy Neighborhood podcast producer, Rachel Zabo. Hey, welcome back to my studio. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, <laughs> wait, hold on. No, you, thank, thanks. we're for glad me. to have you. I'm confused. Yeah, I okay. don't know how this works. <laughs> so we're in Rachel's studio. Um, okay, so Rach, you said that you had some questions for us. Yeah, okay, so you've gone through like all the core types. I resonate with a lot of that. And like, that's pretty clear to understand. But then, you know, like we're complicated people. And so we have all the other numbers as well. Like we're not just one number. So there's this other component to our core that I've heard that's called a wing. And I don't understand like the wing. What is the wing? Like, when did the Enneagram turn into a bird? Like, why are we flying now? Like, what is a wing? Okay. 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 So wings are essentially this. Every personality type has sort of a a core type. There's like a core type that you most chiefly identify with. And then on both sides of your number are two other numbers. So in your case, as a four, you have the three on one side and you have the five on the other side. Mm -hmm. And most commonly, one of those two numbers is going to be higher than the other one. And in a lot of cases, it's quite a bit higher than the other one. And whatever your wing is comes in and it like flavors your core type. So uh, example would be this. I am a four with a three wing. You are a four with a five wing. Right. So in your case, being a four, so you are an originalist, you're creative, you're emotionally uh, intuitive, you're emotionally expressive. Um, But then the five comes in and this is where like, 
your scholarly research oriented uh it's why you can sit down and do sort of long from my perspective laborious projects you know of editing because you you love the knowledge like you love research uh and it causes you to back up and to not overreact and to try to think about things and yeah so the wing comes in and it just it it shapes your core type in very particular ways okay so everyone has a core and then everyone will have a wing not necessarily so it honestly depends so when we say scores and numbers we're we're talking about like the actual enneagram test that you can take and we've got that link on our faq page um so typically whenever someone takes a test we look at their core type and then we look at the two numbers corresponding next to them so the next highest number and the next lowest number and if one of those is above 60 then we say that you have a wing but there are some moments when neither one of those numbers are really at play and so it's okay to not have a wing everybody i think says like oh well what's your wing and it's okay, I'm here to say, it's okay if you don't have a wing. Yeah, in some cases, like, people are just like a, they're just like a black coffee four. Like, it's just like, that's all they are, is that they're just very concentrated, they're that core type, and that their wing just isn't much at play. And then every now and then you also get folks that, like, their wings on both sides are really high, and, you know, that happens as well. So, so that's like, that's the kind of the thing with the Enneagram is, a lot of times we'll talk about things because it's the most common thing we see. But it doesn't mean that everyone's stuff's going to come out the same. Like, you know, everyone's going to have different results. And people will go like, is this normal? I mean, you're human and it just happens. Like, <laughs> and so it's okay. It's yeah, it's normal. Yeah. So, okay. So clarify one other thing for me. So if you're, so like for me, I'm a four and let's say, you know, my wing would be my three or my five, but let's say both those numbers on my score are like super low, like less than 30%. But then let's say my seven is like really high. Does that mean I would, I'm would i a four wing seven? Okay, so we wouldn't use that language. Like we wouldn't say four wing seven. Uh-huh. But we could say, if you remember like all the way back in the first episode, we talked about the fact that we for shorthand will say I'm a blank and we'll say a core number. But the truer thing is to say that we have all nine of these traits to greater or lesser degrees. And all that means is that, you know, you're a core four with very high seven. That's how we would probably say it. Or sometimes I'll hear people say, you know, I knew a guy that uh, that had extremely high three and extremely high one. And so he would actually say, well, I'm really kind of a three one because I go back and forth between those two so much. Now, that's not as common. That's why people don't say it uh, as as often. But uh, I have seen plenty of you know scores that that is that is true. Gotcha. Okay, so the wings are wings are only the numbers next to your core number. Yes, and only if it's significantly high. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we haven't talked a lot about scoring, you know, in in this series because, uh, you know, typically that's something we do in our workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yes, in this case, if we were to look at someone's scores and there's, as Sam said, their scores over 60 on something, it means it is playing a very definitive role in your personality. Yeah. And it's a wing because it's next to your number. Correct. Right. That's where the terminology comes from. Remember, the Enneagram scores can't be interpreted apart from your life story. And so when someone takes the full test that has all nine types, you know, resourceful, non-resourceful, present, we really are just looking at whatever their top three scores are. If one is a wing, that's great. But if not, really, that person needs to pay attention to, okay, if you're a four with a high seven, then pay attention to that seven stuff. Listen to our episode on the seven or, for example, whatever it may be. It's really just whatever your, your highest scores are. That's what you need to be playing into. However, 
listen to the other episodes and read up on your wings because your personality has the capacity and the propensity to take on some of those traits. Um, One of the things that's really interesting about the wings is how just ironic it is that some of those types are next to each other. And we, we can talk about this a little bit, but you know, the four is the most emotionally aware while the five is the most emotionally detached. And so there's something within the Enneagram uh, formula that, that allows us to, to lean into certain things better for that five to be able to tap into that four space and really to become aware of their emotions that I, as a nine, I can lean into the assertiveness of the eight and the, the right and wrong, the black and white stuff of the one. Yeah. So, you know, I love the wings because the wings show almost the sense that God has built in a a fail safe plan into each of our personalities. So uh, so when we develop these wings, so example, again, let's go back to the nine. The nine frequently deals with the issue of vagueness. And they deal with the issue of apathy. Mm -hmm. Complacency. So what happens? Well, God inserts the eight next to that, you know, and so all of a sudden you've got this eight energy that is all about like getting things done and about making strong, you know, Mm -hmm. declarative statements. Very assertive. Very assertive. Uh, Or you get the one that is about there's a right and a wrong and I want to take a definitive stance and I want to stand on the side of truth and I want to move out of a place of just living sort of in this vagueness and I want to live to a place where there's morally good and morally evil things in the world and I want to contend for those. And if you work your way around all nine types uh, and you really begin to think about them one at a time, you go, man, all these different wings, they are, they're fail-safe plans. It, it's like God's backup plan so that we don't just sort of fold inward on ourselves. Yeah. I love the seven and six one too. Like the seven is the most spontaneous and the most reckless, but the six is the most prepared. And so it's so funny. They kind of need each other. And four, you know, sevens get really, everything is possible and everything has potential, but the eight energy is so focused that the seven really needs to benefit from that focus that the eight can offer them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then how does the wing like influence our number? Can we talk about that? Yeah, I, Rachel, I've got a little something up my sleeve. Oh, no. Okay. So uh, stay with us because we're going to do a little something. We'll be right back. On today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring wings and arrows. You know, knowing ourselves is an essential part of discerning what it is that God is calling us to do. To hear one woman's journey of discerning God's call on her life, check out our other show, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. Specifically, make sure to check out episode number two, where the gospel meets the sex industry. You know, we had identified the strip clubs in Louisville. We had said, okay, this is where they're at. This is how many there are. And no kidding, I was a legend in the club. Either you're going to give it away for free or you're going to get paid for it. Hey, our wives are in the strip club. They're giving a meal to the dancers and the police officers weren't buying it. And I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. So subscribe now wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search Love Thy Neighborhood or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast. All right, welcome back to the Innycast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And right now we're going to play Winging It.
Okay, so this is how today's game is played. Rizzo and Hudson, who are Enneagram specialists, they have given special nicknames to a variety of personality types on the Enneagram. In other words, someone with a core type, let's say, for example, a two known as the helper. Well, the two has a one wing and the two has a three wing. And Rizzo and Hudson have actually gone in and given special nicknames to each wing. And so today's game is, I'm going to give you a nickname and you're going to have to guess which wing it is. I'll tell you the core type, the nickname, and then you guess the wing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. You ready? Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> no, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. Mm, that's debatable. Yeah, you're probably not going to do great, but we're going to do this anyway. <laughs> okay, so let's kick it off with the two. We're going to kick it off with the heart triad. Uh, so twos, these folks are givers. They're generous. They're about taking care of other people. So here's the nickname. Uh-huh. You ready? Yeah. Okay. The host. The host. Okay. And I'm I'm guessing if that's if the host is a two wing one or a two wing three, right? Right. right. So okay. is a host a two wing one or is a host a two wing three? Okay. Well, with my limited Enneagram knowledge, host sounds like it's very people oriented and ones. Ones, I think, are pretty, like, justice-fairness-oriented, whereas threes are more, like, people-pleasing, people-impressing. Okay. So I'm going to say that host is a two-wing three. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, you got it. Okay, so a two-wing one is actually called the servant. Okay. And these twos tend to be focused on doing things properly, and they can either be principled and objective or they can become guilt-ridden, uh, self-critical, controlling, self-righteous, judgmental. But a two-wing three, commonly known as the host or the hostess, uh, these uh, twos tend to be more vested in image. And they can either be sociable, self-assured, ambitious, or they can struggle with issues of deception and manipulation or even vanity. Okay, so you are correct. One point so far. So Sweet. type three, the achiever. Remember, they are the go-getters, the efficient person. And so the nickname is the professional. So is that either a three-wing two or a three-wing four? Oh, gosh. This one's the hardest one, I think. Okay. Well, my initial thought is that I'm a four and I don't feel very professional. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it's a three-wing two. Oh, man. Nope. Ah. So the three wing two is actually called the charmer. And so they are the more people oriented. They're more helpful. They're socially adept. You know, the three uh, can charm their way into other people's lives. So they can become a little flattering, a little manipulative. Um, But the three wing four is the professional. And that means that they have a strong imagination, that visionary characteristic. They can either use their creativity for good or they can become a little moody and arrogant and uh, pretentious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you're 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 one for two. All right. Okay. So here we go. Four. Okay. Here's my time. The originalist. So uh, that's you and me. Folks like us tend to be creative. We tend to enjoy uh, off the beaten path things, new things, uh, non duplicated things. Um, okay. So the four. Here's the term aristocrat. Arist- which is not the same as Aristocat. Yeah, not to be right. confused with the Disney film. Yeah, Aristocrat. Right. And is this the four-wing three or the four-wing five? Man, that's got to be a four-wing three. Because when I think Aristocrat, I think like very uppity, impressing other people. Like bougie. Yes, very bougie. Yes. Uh, four-wing three? Yeah. Four-wing three. Yes. Right. So that's the Aristocrat. 
I'm bougie. Uh, and uh, these forests, they, they tend to be they tend to be more lively. Um, and so uh, these kinds of forests can be really energetic and active and outgoing. They're more extroverted. Yeah, a lot more extroverted. Uh, but we can also struggle with issues of being overly ambitious or even attention-seeking. And we can tend to be kind of snooty and elitist. We're bougie. And so, uh, but the four-wing five, and I love this term because I think it's so accurate. The term for the four-wing five is... Bohemian. Bohemian. Does that feel true for you, Rachel? No. <laughs> what? It's completely true. Look, like Bohemians are known for like norms. they don't they don't really like social norms. They don't care. They tend to uh to They're particularly more it shows up in clothing. Like mm-hmm. so I think of like I think of like Johnny Depp, I think of like Bob Dylan, I think of uh, you know, these folks that are like I don't know. They're a little hippie-esque. That's what know? I was going to say. Bohemian makes me think of a hippie. Yeah, you're like a modern hippie, Rachel. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't and, label me. Uh, sorry about that. So, uh, And these these folks, uh, they tend to have really strong imaginations, and they can either be creative and introspective and subdued, or they can become moody and arrogant and pretentious. Dang, that does sound like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to say that. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're two for two, two for four? No, two for three. Two for three. Math two is hard. Okay, so type five. <laughs> I've gotten two right. Yes, that's all that matters. So yep. the uh, type five are in the head triad now. So uh, we're either thinking about five wing fours or five wing sixes. So okay. the iconoclast. Is the nickname. Yeah. Um, can I get a definition, please? Yeah, an iconoclast <laughs> is someone who uh, defies socially constructed norms and ideals, particularly actually in like systems and religious institutions. That's what the definition that I looked up said. But I think in general, it's just somebody who defies uh, long held beliefs and systems. Okay. So it's got to be a four. It's got to be a four thing. So I'm going to guess that's a five wing four. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So five wing fours, these people tend to be more people oriented and they can use. Uh, their creativity in more artistic and imaginative ways. They're more sensitive and in tune with their feelings, but they can become that moody, melancholic, and self-absorbed thing from the four. So the five-wing six is the problem solver. And that five space since, uh, tends to have more of that scientific or intellectual. So they, uh, the problem-solving piece, they can either use that six energy to be more logical, analytical, and hardworking, or they can be more skeptical and anxious and a little afraid of intimacy and closeness with others. Okay, so you're at three points. Uh, let's talk about the six, the loyalists. So right. these are our faithful people. These are our reliable Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. Uh, these are our utility pocket knife people. Like they are just prepared and ready for a thousand situations. Okay, so the loyalist, here's the nickname, the buddy. The buddy. Is that a six wing five or a six wing seven? Hmm. Okay. When I think of like a buddy, I mean, really, I think of Buddy the Elf, but well, okay, yeah, so Buddy the Elf, very like energetic, which sounds like a seven thing. Sevens are very like adventurous, spontaneous, like let's go have fun. I'm going to say that's a six wing seven. Boom. Yeah. Well done. Okay. So the six wing five, their nickname is the Defender, the Defender. And these kinds of sixes, they tend to be um, serious and they tend to be more studious and they can either uh, be original and quiet uh, or they can become negative and arrogant. And actually they take on the reclusive traits of the five. Um, because they become so skeptical of other people that they just kind of withdraw. Uh, the six-wing seven, commonly known as the buddy, um, these folks tend to be more outgoing and active. So they can either be sociable, 
playful, uh, and they love to integrate into groups as opposed to the six-wing five, they withdraw. Or they can become overreactive and irritable, and they can actually struggle with materialism. Cool. So you got that one right. So next is type seven. So we're talking about the enthusiast. Remember the joyful type, the optimist. The party planning committee. The spontaneous. Yeah. So they they got all that energy, all of the possibilities, all the fun. So the nickname is the realist. So do you think that's the seven wing six or the seven wing eight? The realist. This is a hard one, I it think. It is. Yeah. I think this yeah. one's tricky too. I think sixes tend to be pretty like skeptical, down to earth. I don't know if you would call that realism, but I feel like that's a, I'm going to guess that's a seven wing six. Oh, no. Ah! So the seven wing six is actually called the entertainer. And so they really, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So the seven uh, pulls from that six energy and makes them a little uh, more relationally oriented. Um, They can be more lighthearted and committed to their relationships um, but they can also become easily hurt and hesitant and anxious. So they've got that negative six stuff going on, too. So the seven wing eight is actually the realist. And so that eight energy helps sevens be more grounded and in touch with their anger and their ideas. And um, it helps them to be more powerful and assertive. But the eight energy can help uh, impacts the seven by a little more boisterous, a little more self-centered and unfaithful and unreliable. Yeah, that one was a tricky one. I think that the yeah. clue on the realist is just this, is that uh, is that eights, because they're in the gut triad, tend to be very grounded in the moment, as opposed right. to the sixes can get a little lost in their head occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I think that that's kind of that's kind of the difference mm-hmm. between those yeah. two. But that was, it makes sense. That was a yeah. tough one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, moving on to the gut triad. So we come to the eight. So this is the powerful person, the challenger, the advocate. Uh, okay, so... This is this is a tricky one. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Here's the nickname, the bear. <laughs> the bear. The bear. Are we talking like a grizzly bear? Are we yeah. talking like a polar yeah. bear? Yeah, what? just a the koala bear. Honestly, bear. either one. Yeah, for this one, it's yeah, it's interesting. The bear. Oh man. Well. Oh yeah, this nine. is tricky because it, you could go either if it was an eight wing seven. You They're could a circus go, bear. Yeah, you could go with like a. Yeah, a that kind of bear. bear. If you go with an eight wing nine, that's like a thing. That's like a teddy bear. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna guess that the bear is an eight wing seven. Wrong. Oh man. So the eight wing seven is actually called the Maverick, which is like <laughs> what a awesome. cool yeah. nickname. Yes. I so want to. Fly, I want to be that. <laughs> I want to fly a jet right now. Uh, so these kinds of eights, they tend to be uh, really assertive, and they can either be sociable, ambitious, risk-taking, or they can become impulsive and overreacting, struggle with materialism, and they are prone to addiction. But an eight-wing nine is commonly known as the bear. And when you think of the bear, think of both the teddy bear and the grizzly bear. Mm. And with an eight wing nine, that is exactly what you get, mm-hmm. except you don't know which bear occasionally is going to get unleashed. Am mm. I going to get the cuddly one or am I going to get, you know, the attacking one? Also, um, bears hibernate. I was going to say, yeah, bears. <laughs> I think of all the like the bears that I know, you know, all my, <laughs> all my bear friends. Know. No, just like the you know, learning about bears. They like to be left alone. They like to store up food and they like to sleep. And so that's I think that's true for nine sometimes. Too. Yeah. Well, OK. So these eights, they tend to be strong in, a, in sort of a quieter way. 
way. Mm-hmm. Like like an eight wing seven tends to be really boisterous, and an yeah. eight wing nine tends to be much much more subdued and quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they can either be uh, very sort of steady and supportive and patient, or uh, they can take on some of that nine stuff where they become cold and indifferent to other people. Um, so so yeah, so that's that's the that's the bear. All right, all right. Okay. What's my score? Four out of four out of seven. Yeah, so four right, three wrong. Better I think the next half. two you'll get. I think okay. I believe right. in you. Okay, right. so the type nine, nine as we know are the peacemakers, the serene, the calm, the best number on the enneagram. They that really is not bring... an official title. <laughs> yeah, it is. So the nines really bring a lot of peace and serenity and harmony to the world. So nine wing one or wing eight, the referee. I mean, a referee has got to be very, <laughs> no pun intended for what they wear, but very black and white. Um, yes. Which makes me think that that would be a nine wing one. They got to be fair. Nine wing one. Mm, no, sorry. Oh, man. So nine wing eights are actually called the referees, and they tend to be in more leadership positions. They're, uh, think about like the the quickness of a referee. They have to make really quick calls. You know, no one likes a referee that doesn't make calls. And so the eight energy helps the nine to be more decisive and a little more aggressive. And um, so, again, the nine eight is independent, steady, willful, or they can take on that negative eight stuff and become more aggressive and callous and even lustful. Um, so the nine wing one is actually called the dreamer. And so these nines are typically more highly principled. They're very hardworking. They take on that dutifulness of the one, uh, but they uh, can be modest and composed or orderly or a little self, a uh, little obsessive compulsive and a little self-righteous. So nine ones are the dreamers. Mm. Okay, so here Last we go. One. Here we go. For all the po- this all is it, right? Like this, is all, this will tilt the scales in one direction the or the other. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I make for, it or break it here. This okay. is it, Rachel. Here we go. So oh, this easy. one's hard. These yeah, are hard. this is a tough oh. one. Okay, this is the reformer. Yeah. Um, type one, the reformer. So these are our folks that are about fairness and justice. Um, and here is here's the term. Okay. You ready? Yep. The advocate. Is the advocate the term for the one wing nine or the one wing two? I want to help her by giving her the other name. I think that would. No, that's no, cheating. No, 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 that's no. I want it would help, win. but it's cheating. I just want her to win. Oh, Sam man. can't deal with the lack of peace I, in this room. I just <laughs> okay, so much okay. Tension. I think advocates like speak up for people. They help people. Which is a two thing. I think it's a one wing two. Yeah, Rachel's playbook. Congratulations, yes! you have won winging it. Thousand points. What do I win? A you bird? win a recording studio. <laughs> well, give it your studio back <laughs> in a few more episodes. Sorry. Okay, so a one wing nine is actually called an idealist, uh, and these types of ones tend to be more detached. Um, so they can either be easygoing, objective, calm. Uh, they tend to do things in moderation or they can become impersonal and actually really stubborn. Uh, a one wing two is known as the advocate. And these types of ones tend to express their feelings more uh, and they can either be helpful, empathetic, warm, sensitive to others Or they can become, you know, they take on the non-resourceful traits of that too. They become image conscious. They become attention seeking and they can become controlling. So 
Those are the 18 nicknames of all the types. That's Ooh. a lot of nicknames. Yeah. This episode was a dense one. So mm-hmm. uh, so if you've stuck with it, congratulations. You did graduate from this episode. And uh, Sam would be glad to hand draw a certificate of graduation oh, for we'll you. That, we'll email it to you. On a post-it note. She'll, <laughs> she'll mail it to you old school. Probably not. I oh. probably won't do it. I probably oh, won't get around to it. Because she's a nine. she's yeah. a nine. Sounds, she's going to go I'm eat gonna, food and hibernate. I'm going to commit to that totally deceivingly lie about it. Like, yeah, I'll totally get around to that. Nope, not true. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening to the Inia cast. Thanks, Rachel, for coming by and asking us all these clarifying questions. And yeah, for- clearly I need to still brush up on my wings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And you're a bohemian, so what do you care anyway? Right. I don't care. I'm okay. going to go sit on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trained us in the Enneagram. Please go check out their website or sign up for one of their Enneagram intensive workshops. Be trained as an Enneagram coach. Head over to crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood offers social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself and Sam Stevenson, engineering and editing by Janelle Dawkins with Justice Smith and Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I am Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. Community.